Hi, this is Feed Play Love, the parenting podcast that you can fit in your pocket. Short, informative and interesting interviews about everything from toilet training to how emotion coaching works. I'm your host, Siobhan Hunt. The next interview is one of the diamonds from our archive. Enjoy. Small children can behave in very mysterious ways. Out of the blue, they might whack you in the face, they might bite you, uh, and let's not even start on the tantrums because you could be in the middle of a shopping center or just walking down the road and they can completely fall apart and be banging their fists on the footpath. And as a parent, that can be really challenging to deal with because little people are not like big people and their brains work differently. Dr. Margie Danchen is a paediatrician with the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne and a mother of four. And she joins us today to share some of her advice on managing children's challenging behaviour. Hi, Margie. How are you? Hi, I'm well, thanks. So do you have any um, good tips on how to manage those sorts of challenging behaviours in children? You know, those sort of inexplicable moments when they can just lose themselves. Well, I think, you know, we've all not only witnessed them but probably experienced them ourselves, you know, if we've got children. And I think the first thing to say is that it's normal and it's, you know, developmentally appropriate and and all children are going to test their parents' um, boundaries and uh, are going to have a meltdown or a tantrum at some point. So I think it's important to, to know that that you know, everyone experiences this. Um, And then I think it's a matter of bringing it back to the basics. And I think the first most important thing for all kids is for them to have a structure to their day and to their week and to have a routine. And I think children thrive when they know what's coming next. Um, And, you know, that's around meals and sleep and playtime. And I think if you can give them that sort of infrastructure, um, you tend to find that a lot of these more challenging behaviours and tantrums diminish. And can Um, I just say at that point, Margie, I've had this conversation with a lot of mothers who seem to understand the importance of routine. Yes. And then it comes to their partners, and this is a very broad generalisation I know, but uh, I know partners, particularly mine, have a a much more laissez-faire, relaxed kind of approach to um, ordering their children's lives. I mean, how do we convince people who Um, aren't as sure of the benefits of a routine that um, it's actually not about being strict for being strict, you know, just for discipline's sake, for example. No, absolutely. And, you know, people don't necessarily want to follow a recipe book or be told what to do. But I think when what I would say in that situation um, is to just ask the partner to try it, just um, put more structure into the day, into the week and see the difference. And I think until you actually see the impact it has on a child, and in fact you can be a lot freer with other things uh, and there's less stress in the system, there's less yelling, there's less challenging behaviour when that infrastructure is there, it actually makes things easier and I think takes away that fear that, you know, that sort of routine and structure is going to take away spontaneity or it's all too hard. And could um, re- what would you say are the most important elements of a routine or, or is it just up to what suits each family? No, I think it really is around uh, structured meal times and particularly around sleep. 
you know, in terms of behaviour, if, if a child is not getting enough sleep for their age, uh, and that's another whole topic of conversation, but if they're not getting enough sleep, you know, things really deteriorate quite quickly. And I think very often, particularly in some European families, you know, it's quite normal for the children to be up till 10, 11 at night. Um, and then, you know, that's fine if they can sleep in the next day. But very often, you know, in our busy lives, we do need to get up early and get moving and there are deadlines to meet. So... I would say probably the most important thing is sleep, followed very um, close behind by, by structured meals and, and good food. Um, and that's sort of, you can pin everything else around that really, whether it's, you know, kinder or school or activities. But sticking with um, sleep first, food second, they're very simple ways to start, <laughs> isn't it? Um, and what are your other suggestions that can help with those sorts of challenging behaviours? I think, you know, it's always good to start um, with the positive. And so I think, you know, praising good behaviour, giving lots of positive feedback, getting down at the child's level, you know, making them feel, you know, very loved um, and, and like they hear lots of good stuff apart from the no and the yelling, which we all are prone to do when we're frustrated, is really the first step along with the routine. Um, things like smacking, you know, a lot of us were smacked as children, um, really doesn't work. It just um, exacerbates the situation and, and often the child will hit back. Um, so I would say that that's sort of the first step and then you can, there are other strategies that people use and I know, you know, similar to the thinking around controlled crying for sleep, you know, strategies such as time out and taking away privileges or, or removing um, privileges is very controversial for some people but I think if they're done well and they're done in a calm manner, um, they can really help the majority of children. And can you explain, um, so I'm sure a lot of people will have not heard of timeout, but how would you explain it be used appropriately? So timeout is really, um, it's only for targeting those sort of most high impact challenging behaviours. So I would say things like hitting or biting, you know, it's things that you mentioned in your introduction. You wouldn't, you don't time out for every behaviour because it loses its power. But essentially in the home setting, you need to always use the what's called um, uh, one, two, three magic before you use timeout. And that's to give your child a bit of a warning to stop what it is they're doing. So you, you, you give them, you know, you say, I'm going to count to three and then I'm going to take you to your room and so you count to one, two, three and if they don't stop the behaviour you then try calmly and that's the, the challenging part to not get angry, not raise your voice and to remove the child into their room uh, for a period of time and, and we usually say sort of a minute for how old, how old they are but three to four minutes is often enough for up to like a, a six-year-old and it's not it's really a, a way to um, break that circuit of behavior and that loss of control and the dysregulation the child is feeling and to take them away give them an opportunity to calm down um, and and then you go back and you take them out of the room uh, and a lot of people say oh well you know they seem to enjoy time out uh, <laughs> or they like being in their room well that's great that's fine that's you know giving them that that short circuit to 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 calm down or they say they go crazy in the room they may throw things or potentially break things and you know it can become quite a um, a confrontational um, exercise and I think you really have to adapt it to, to each child and every family. And for some children, timeout doesn't work that well. And some parents say, oh, look, I prefer to be with my child in timeout and sit with them. And that can work for some people. 
But I think the act of stopping what they're doing, telling them that's not okay and removing them gives them a very clear message. But, you know, you have to be consistent. You have to do it every time for that behaviour. You can't pick and choose. You're listening to Kindling Conversation and we're speaking with Dr Margie Danchen, a paediatrician with the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne, about about challenging behaviour and how we might manage that in our children because let's face it, it's very few of us that don't have kids who at times are challenging. Um, Margie, something you mentioned just then um, sort of triggered something in my memory was that we came to a point, my husband and I came to a point with our daughter um, where I went and did a, a triple P for parenting course just to sort of, she was getting into her mid twos, which were a little yeah. bit challenging after our a son. Twos. Yes, yeah. especially when our son came along. And I just realized, you know, I didn't know the first thing about the toddler brain. So I, I went and enrolled in uh, the triple P for parenting and I did uh, also do one, two, three magic. And at the time, the thing that really, um, surprised me was well it was sort of revel- revelatory was being clear and consistent yes. and following through with what you say like always Absolutely. if you said you're going to take something away take it away and I've got to say we so very we often fall back into my husband's fond of saying something like Darcy if you don't stop hitting your brother I'll eat your head <laughs> And because he he slips into this, he doesn't want to be too strict, but he wants her to know he's wanting her. And I have to say, is that a realistic consequence, Daniel? (laughs) You know, mean anything to the child because they look at dad and they think, well, you're not going to do that. (laughs) I certainly hope he's not going to do that. (laughs) So I think you know that absolutely. So along with you know the routine and the structure is the consistency. And look, let's face it, we're all human. It's really hard. I mean, as you mentioned in in your intro, I've got four kids and there are times when you're so frustrated and so (laughs) upset with what's going on that you do tend to lose your cool or raise your voice, but that only escalates the situation. So, you know, along with being consistent is to try and be calm. Which is very hard when they hit you in the face as well. Exactly. If you're actually in real pain, it's very hard. And then sometimes I think it's actually better just to walk away rather than really losing your cool if you just similarly do like a time out for yourself. <laughs> yes. Walk away, you know, recollect yourself and then come back and sort of start again, you know, because escalating it with a lot of um, shouting and screaming really is, uh, it doesn't lead to a good place. Or talking, like having a, trying to have an adult conversation about why it's not nice to smack mummy in the face. I mean, they're, that's right. They're not and going that's to process actually a that, very, right. very good point because, you know, over talking and over intellectualising with a toddler is actually not going to get you anywhere. Um, they don't understand what you're talking about, especially if they're upset. You're better off, you know, even trying to talk about it with them later when they're calmer or in bed that night. Um, but even then, you know, you've got to remember. Remember, they are only two or three and that intellectualising it is not going to help. It's more modelling what you would like and being very clear and consistent. And um, look, finally, how do you know if you need to seek advice or professional assessment if you're you're thinking, actually, I don't think this is normal behaviour. I think that they're acting out more often than not. 
Yeah, that's a very good question. And I'm a strong believer, um, having been a paid for quite a few years now in a mum's intuition. And I think often a parent knows if they feel that there is something wrong. Uh, and I think if, if a parent has that question, then they should go and speak to their GP in the first instance and see if they need referral. But some other flags might be, you know, clear difficulties with communication and, and struggling for the child to actually get along with other children um, or, or having uh, a lot of difficulty transitioning between activities. So, you know, needing a lot of warning before they change an activity or before they leave a party. Um, you know, lots of anxiety or excessive worry. There's lot, lots of sort of what we would call red flags where you sort of think, oh, maybe there is a, a communication disorder going on or, or something else that needs to be teased out by a specialist. So, and I guess I would say to parents, if that crosses their mind or they've tried sort of the, the first step um, uh, strategies that we've talked about today and they're not having much success, then I would engage um, another opinion. But I think, um, I think in summary, what I, I think is really important to reiterate to parents is that if your child isn't displaying challenging behaviour, you're a very lucky, rare creature indeed, right? <laughs> like we all go through it. And I, I'm completely with you. There have been times that I've taken my daughter away from a party where she couldn't have the birthday birthday girls present screaming in conniptions and thinking, oh, my goodness, like what have yeah. I raised? Uh, <laughs> but also um, understanding that that's just normal behaviour for a toddler and that's right. And, you know, that other parents are going through exactly the same thing. Um, and, yeah, just just try and see it as, as, you know, normal. Normal. And they'll hopefully grow out of it until yeah. they're 13. <laughs> lovely, calm parent. <laughs> Margie, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. You're welcome. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch... Email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.